This podcast is brought to you by Primary Intelligence, the leader in win-loss analysis, focused on helping businesses uncover the unique story on how each sales rep can win more deals. Hey everyone, and thanks for joining me on another rousing edition of Sales Intelligence Weekly, brought to you by Primary Intelligence. I'm Ryan Queller. In most B2B organizations, the struggle to create alignment throughout your customer-centric departments, it's real. The struggle is real. We see it all the time. Sales and marketing may get misaligned on things like messaging. Product may be developing features that don't actually solve for the customer need. CX may be delivering something different than what a customer was actually sold, heaven forbid. Executives may be creating strategies and goals without real insights into your competitive position. Misalignment, it's everywhere. And when you don't create alignment, right, when you have misalignment throughout your organization, you can struggle to hit revenue goals, fail to solve customer needs, and slow business growth. I mean, the, the number of problems with alignment or misalignment, are, are, it's, it's just a ton. There's, they're everywhere, and it's a problem. So let's chew on this today right? Let's, let's work on this a little bit. Here to talk with me today is a win-loss veteran and director of product marketing at Locus Robotics, Sophie Pagalde. Sophie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ryan. It's great to be here. Okay. All right, my friend, before we get into these things, um, you know, everybody you know, knows me and they're tired of hearing about me. They want to hear about you. Our listeners want to hear about you. Tell us who is this Sophie? Tell, give us a little, spill the beans, my friend. Who are you? Tell us about you and your experience. Sounds good. Thank you. So I've been in product marketing for now a little bit over 12 years and I kind of fell into it. I became a certified product manager because I learned about this really cool framework that we could apply to a technology company I was working for at the time. And I ended up taking pieces of that and kind of putting together a product marketing type of um, you know, framework uh, that I don't think even existed at that, at that point. You know, product marketing was very, very new back then. Um, and through the years, I've really been implementing that framework. I uh, worked at a lot of different organizations from SaaS companies to now I'm at a robotics company, um, worked on two-sided uh, networks as well, and you know, have been able to apply a lot of these things. And I think win-loss in particular has been uh, a great way for me to get insights uh, from buyers uh, to understand who we're selling to, what we're winning, what we're losing. And then, like you said, drive that um, that al- alignment that is so important throughout the organization that really as a product marketer, I feel is kind of my main mission is to make sure that the entire company is really treating customers you know, the same way and kind of singing the same song all throughout the customer life cycle. So that's, you're like a glutton for punishment because I, I got to tell you, that is a tough road to hoe. Uh, <laughs> aligning the organization and how we talk about our products and our, with our customers, that's really hard. Uh, you, you've given me a couple hooks that I want to get into, but first I want to start with this. Um, it, it, I believe if, if memory serves, you've been running win-loss with primary intelligence at various companies. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes, I have. Yeah. Okay. So I want to know why, like, why did you initially decide way back when, why did you initially decide to get into win-loss and and use win-loss? Yeah. So I've always been very curious about talking to buyers. I feel it's one of the most important things that uh, you, you know, product marketers really need to do also product managers. Um, You know, I, when I uh, learned about product management, one couple of quotes, I think that stuck with me were, one, uh, your opinion, while interesting, is irrelevant, meaning that, you know, the buyer, if you know the buyer, 
you just have an opinion, right? You're not really uh, the voice that we should be listening to. Um, but then, you know, I think to just uh, making sure that we're, we understand that like the interesting things are not happening in the office. The interesting things are not happening in front of our computer, thinking about solutions, but really talking to the customers and being in their world, uh, right? And so there's uh, this um, uh, acronym that pragmatic marketing uses that is NIHIDO. And it's nothing interesting happens in the office. And, you know, I think that's so key and really um, critical to a company that really wants to be customer centric. You actually have to put your money where your mouth is and spend time with your buyers and understanding how they're making decisions, why they're buying, what their motivations are and what are they looking for in a solution. Yeah. So all I heard was mojito. I didn't hear Nahito. I heard mojito. mojito, but uh, no, I guess that's the wrong time of day. Different thing, I, I think, altogether. Okay. So, okay. I love this. This is why you did. Okay. Let, let's, let's get into this uh, a little bit. So why does misalignment occur? Let's get to the root, right? How, why does misalignment occur in B2B organizations? Yeah, so I think everyone has the best intention, right? Everyone is trying to drive something. Everyone has a goal, right? Every function has a goal. And, you know, especially, you know, with companies, and I think misalignment happens at different stages, honestly, it can happen very early in an organization where you're still kind of trying to understand what you're even doing, right? As a startup, sometimes you still don't have answers to a lot of questions. You know, as the companies grow, misalignment could happen for other reasons, like, you know, functions are becoming really big and kind of siloed and not talking to each other. Um, I've also gone through a lot of mergers and acquisitions. And, you know, the other challenge is how do you bring those, those people together and make sure that, you know, the functions are now working together and, and really know who the stakeholders are as we are integrating new, new people and new organizations or new product lines into uh, the business. And all of these things can create misalignment. Um, and I think, you know, while everyone has the best intention, you know, everyone's trying to drive an agenda in a way. And I think one of the interesting things about, you know, product marketing is that we come very close with that every day, right? Because part of creating alignment and making sure that we're selling, you know, we're marketing what we, what we know we can sell and selling what we know we can deliver and delivering what we sold. Um, this, this takes a lot of conversations, a lot of communication and making sure that we're all really understanding that we have like one story that we're telling and it's cohesive for the customer. Um, and I think that's, that's really why it's important, right? And I think it can cause a lot of issues uh, really throughout the customer lifecycle. But again, if you go back to that buyer, the reason this matters is because their experience is, you know, through all those stages and, and they want to make sure that they have, they can trust the organization, right? They can trust that the, what they saw on the website is the same story they're getting from sales is the same product that they're getting. Um, and that is critical really in customers continuing to invest in our, in our business. Okay. So coming back to Mo, I mean, no, Nahito, uh, nothing interesting <laughs> happens in the office, right? So uh, totally get it. I've heard this before. Love pragmatic marketing, great company. Um, so win loss is only a piece, right? It's mm -hmm. only a thing. It's not the thing. And I, and I want our listeners to really hear that primary intelligence. We fully recognize that uh, win loss analysis, hearing the voice of your customer, customer through win-loss analysis is only part, only part of looking at the whole thing, right? We, we recognize this. It's also very important, but I want to hear from you, Sophie. Why is it important? Why is listening to your voice, the customer from a win-loss perspective so important? Yeah. So it informs many different 
functions. Um, so, you know, the way that we run it at Locus and the way I've been running it, I, th I think I've actually been working with, pri for, with primary intelligence for maybe eight years now, I want to say. That's kind of crazy. I'm so um, sorry that you've had to deal with this. <laughs> <laughs> You've all been amazing. Um, but, you know, I, I think the, you know, the, the way that we run it is very uh, inclusive. And, you know, it also, we also make sure that this information makes it to the right stakeholders. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, one, we want to build credibility with the sales team and build that tight connection. So we make sure that the sales team understands that this is not about, um, you know, judging them as a salesperson, but really understanding how their buyers are making decisions because the smarter sales gets about how these buyers um, are thinking about solutions, are thinking about how they evaluate the solution, how they end up making decisions is critical in how they align to that buying cycle, right? Or that buying journey um, so that they can really kind of bring the customer along. And what we're seeing with sales in particular is uh, for them to really validate that they heard the right things, uh, you know, we, we get a chance to really give kudos to the sales team and all the things that they're doing great. Um, and then really uh, making sure that if there's something else that comes up in the in the conversation with the buyer about maybe further opportunity, right, or maybe an opportunity where we can go back and clarify something with the with the buyer, uh, that is critical for, for the sales team, especially as they build relationships with these accounts. Um, and we also learn a lot about the competition. You know, the, a lot of times we get validation about you know, why we win and also things to watch out for and making sure that we are having the right conversations with buyers and addressing any objections, you know, ahead of time. Um, I would say, you know, from a product perspective, uh, we've been able to justify some, uh, some decisions around, you know, acquisitions, around, you know, the products that we're developing, how we're thinking about the solution and, and new functionality, um, because we hear from the buyer directly not just what they're seeing from us and what they like more from us, but also what they're seeing elsewhere that's making them evaluate you know, other, other vendors as well. And you know, from a customer success perspective, it's interesting. We, we actually take, we're very committed to customer success. And so we really involve you know, the, those, uh, those stakeholders in conversations early on in the sales cycle. And we get incredible feedback um, about you know, how, how we really take the customer, uh, the customer's business case, and we understand what they're looking for and kind of that ROI that they're looking for. And we had incredible feedback too in terms of the customer's um, really uh, trust and faith in what we're going to be able to deliver later as well. So we're able to provide you know, great feedback to the, to, the, uh, to the customer success organization. I actually had uh, today one specific case where we were reviewing a deal uh, that we got yeah, through, through primary intelligence. It was a win. And part of the reason we won is that we could tell the customer exactly when they could go live and we could meet a deadline that no other vendor could have met. And having that, you know, basically the customer called us a unicorn because we were able to deliver that. And that is a great piece of information to send back to, you know, our customer success organization that's killing themselves to make these deadlines, right? Who's working so hard and it's motivation for them to realize their part in the cycle as well. Okay, so I, I, I have several things to unpack, but I wanna to get to this point right, that you just made right here. So yeah. I love that you found that, 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 that uh, feedback from the customer about delivering uh, on, on a certain, that's amazing. That is amazing. Um, you said you leveraged it um, by taking it back to the team that's killing themselves to make it happen. Yeah. How else, how else from a product marketing perspective, might you leverage that kind of feedback, that kind of information? 
Yes, in this case, it actually validates something that we've we've known and we've seen, but it kind of gives us, you know, one more time that validation and that quote from a customer, right? Which is um, the way that we think about time to value and the way that we think about, uh, you know, how, like those those short, uh, you know, implementation times that get the customer to their ROI faster is critical. It's one of our core um, differentiators, honestly. Uh, and again, like no other vendor can do this. And so the fact that a customer recognizes that, and that is the reason why they decide to sign, you know, on the dotted line um, with trust that, that we're going to be able to deliver that is, is huge for us. Okay. Now at the beginning of the, of your last statement, you talked about getting um, the win-loss information into the right hands of, uh, into the, to the right stakeholders. Yeah. Um, so we're, this, this shows about alignment, right? So how do you know, you know, you've been doing this for a while, win-loss for a while. You, you've probably seen almost every scenario that's out there. <laughs> you know, how do you know what stakeholder to take the information to mm-hmm. first? And then I have a follow-up question. How do you do that? Like, how do you actually yeah. get it to them? So let's start with the first one. Yeah, so I would say that I take a pretty broad approach, right? So one thing that I will say is I do have these individual conversations with sales uh, to make sure that we debrief on every deal once we get the feedback from the buyer um, so that we also can kind of take note on the other side of the story, you know, or anything that we may have missed or something else that they may have heard that maybe the, you know, the buyer didn't go in depth into. Uh, So that is kind of step one. And again, it's also kind of building that trust with sales that uh, that we we're taking care of your customer that, you know, we're going to share with the feedback with you first and and that great, you know, builds a great relationship with sales. Um, you know, we also, like I said, use the kudos, you know, anyone who's mentioned by a customer uh, to really recognize people and, and make sure that everyone, you know, through the executive, you know, up to the executive team knows how that person made a difference and what best practices they're using, right, whether it's sales or customer success, how, what best practices they're using that are really helping us win, because those best practices can then be implemented through other organization. You know, other sales reps may want to do something that one rep is doing really well. You know, same thing with customer success. So that is critical. But then I will say too that, um, you know, we, I also do quarterly updates that are very inclusive. So we have a group of about 60 uh, senior leaders and executives in the company. Every quarter, I do a full update on win-loss and everything that we're learning for that group. Um, And that information goes also all the way up to the board of directors. Um, And the reason, you know, I've kind of built it that way is one, I I sold the program from the very beginning to the executives first and got that buy-in before I went and implemented it. So they were already expecting an outcome from that. Um, And, you know, when I explained to them the possibilities, they they became very interested in what this could do for us. Um, And then, you know, giving those updates really validates the value of the program. It also keeps the the executive team informed as to where we're seeing some gaps, how we're being perceived in the market, uh, you know, again, how buyers are making decisions, what competitors are coming into deals that we maybe need to watch out for. And it helps us improve our messaging and the way we uh, we uh, we think about, you know, where we we um, kind of fit in our market. Okay, so uh, love the quarter. That, that is a best practice, by the way, the organizations, the people, the Sophies of the world that are on a quarterly basis taking and kind of sharing key findings and then mm-hmm. acting on that's best practice in the organizations that do that get the most from this. I'm very curious, and this is where it varies from organization to organization that we work with. You don't have to give me the details of what's shared, 
but what's the type of information that you take back on these quarterly basis? I mean, mm -hmm. there's so much that you can glean from win loss. You know, yeah. what do you, what do you do to narrow that? And what's the type of information you share? Yeah. So one of the, the areas is buying criteria. So we're always looking at how, um, customers or buyers are rating us against the competition on their key buying criteria. And part of the reason we do this is because the way we build our positioning is based on how we can position against that buying criteria. We're always looking at how our competitors, you know, positioning against that and how do we position against that? Um, because we feel like then we can really align with the buyer in terms of what they're looking for in the solution. Um, and so that's one area where we always go deep into uh, the other area is competition. So anything interesting that we've learned about the competition. Um, and I'll tell you one thing, interesting thing that I do in terms of competition too, is we tell the, we take these win stories against the competition and we put them into our battle cards. Uh, and it's basically a summary win story. And what it does is it gives the sales team these stories they can tell. And even if they can't mention the customer, they can say, you know, we had a customer just like you. Let me tell you about some of the reasons they decided to go with us versus someone else. And it gives them like a real story they can tell. And then, you know, I link to the report in primary intelligence where they can go and read the full transcript so they can, you know, find any more information, but we give them that summary that they can arm themselves with. Um, and then, you know, we also look at pricing, you know, how are we comparing against the competition? That's not what we compete on, but it's always interesting to kind of see. And then I will tell you that what our executives especially absolutely love is the quotes, right? The transcript. So everybody what, loves the quotes. Everybody yeah. loves the quotes. Yes. Well, because that, you know, you can almost feel right. Like what the, what the buyer is trying to communicate with that. And, and, you know, even having the, the ability to play that, you know, yes. with, with the tone of voice, with the excitement from the buyer or, you know, the concern from the buyer sometimes too, because we also lose deals. Um, but, you know, being, having that voice of customer uh, is critical and, and also, you know, making sure that everything that I'm presenting to them in terms of findings, uh, I always have those quotes to back it up because what I, what I find is that that's when everyone in the organization can really connect to it, right? It's not just a chart that shows why we win, but it's anecdotes and what the customer really said about why we won or, you know, why we lost as well, right? Like what were they telling us is not just, you know, a bullet point on a, on a slide, but there's a story behind it that we want to make sure that everyone understands. Okay. So let's continue down this, down this path of socialization and insight sharing. At the end of the day, win-loss is not about data acquisition. It's about creation of insights, right? So it's about insights that you then use to act, right? It's always to act. If you yep. don't act with the insights, it's data and just stay at home. Don't waste your time with it because it's not going to be helpful. Yeah. Many people that run win loss struggle to socialize their win loss program insights, right? Their buyer insights and get others to then internalize them mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, internalize those insights that win loss uncovers. Why, why do you think it's hard for people to internalize, uh, win loss insights? That's interesting. I honestly, I wish I knew because I, if it's about fear, I'm the opposite. I'm completely fearless about this. right? I kind of get that. I kind of get that yeah. from you. Yes. Fearless. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's, um, you know, to me, it's, it's always about finding that opportunity where it can help us make a decision or validate the decision. You know, I'm not sure why you wouldn't share that. To be honest, to me is, you know, why wouldn't you share it every week? Right. Um, that's more the question because, 
it's so rich. And what I'm finding is, you know, yes, we can look at, um, you know, the individual interviews and there's so many insights there in terms of what we need to act on. And, and I will tell you that in each one of these debriefs, I include the rep that closed the deal, their director, and also our chief revenue officer. And the reason I do this is because I wanna make sure that, you know, if there's something that is getting us at any stage in the, in the sales cycle that we immediately remove that, that obstacle, right? And, and there's so much value in that. Um, you know, there's also kind of that other layer of informing the executives of kind of these trends. But then, you know, being able to search through that data too um, has been incredibly valuable because sometimes I hear, okay, product is working on something. And then I can do a quick search for that word and be like, oh, you know, is this something that customers are mentioning, you know? And, and then I can come up with a full report of, this is all the things that our customers have said about that. And I'll tell you, this helped us specifically with a recent product launch and specifically with an acquisition we did last year where we had quote after quote after quote of customers saying, this is what I want to see from Locus. Um, and it is incredibly powerful. And so. I would say to me, like also having that repository of the data that we can go mine is incredibly important. Um, and, you know, it, I, I just don't, I honestly can't even tell you why you wouldn't use it. <laughs> that's, to, that's totally fair. Okay. So for the, our listeners that, that don't know, primary mm -hmm. intelligence has, we have our, our tool, it's called True Voice. And the data repository that Sophie's um, describing lives in True Voice. Um, you know, personally, I think True Voice is an amazing tool. It's super robust. Um, and, and we're going to talk about the pros, the good and the bad, the ugly, right? So we're going to get it all out there here in a second. But you just, you just mentioned one specific thing that you can search a word and go mm -hmm. find, tell me about that. Tell me about your experience with, we call that uh, search feedback, right? So tell yeah. me about your search feedback experience. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not going to share specifics, but basically no. <laughs> there was, you know, there was a weakness that was coming up in the sales cycle um, where we were hearing this over and over and over again. Uh, we knew that this is something that, um, you know, where we needed to really accelerate our roadmap because we already had kind of mapped out how we wanted to address that. Um, and in some ways we need to address it. And in some other ways, we, we also want to make sure that the customer understands that our approach is slightly different. So when they're comparing apples to apples with comp competition, um, our solution just works different, right? So I would say it was a combination of saying, okay, how do we reposition and make sure that we're messaging things the right way? So this, the customers understand it's not fully a gap, it's just a different approach, but then also we're addressing their, their concerns in terms of where, there is a, a true product gap that we need to address. Um, so, you know, it was really a matter of kind of searching through a, a few of the keywords that we knew, you know, they were probably mentioning. Um, and, and then I created kind of a report on here's everything that they've said, here's some of the themes that we're hearing, um, you know, and this is where the opportunity is, right? It's not just let's plug, a, you know, let's plug this hole, right? That's not what it's about, but really how do we create an opportunity from this um, and, and how can it help us really expand, um, you know, our solution set and, and how we work with customers if we address this need that our customers are saying they have. Okay. I love that. That's, that's phenomenal. Okay. You've just given us a, you've just given us a, a kudos, a positive for True Voice. Okay. Let's, let's go in. And we've also talked about a lot of positives with, with win loss. As a veteran, you, you actually sit in, in kind of a very unique situation where you know, eight years of doing win-loss analysis, you've seen, again, the good, the bad, the ugly. Yeah. What's hard? 
Like what, yeah. let's just, let's just be real for a second. What's difficult yeah. about win-loss analysis doing this for an organization? Yeah. So I will say one of the hardest things to overcome is to get the sales team to buy in. Um, and there's many reasons why that, that, that's hard. Um, you know, this is their customer that they just closed. They feel vulnerable to the deal. If they won, they want to make sure they're not going to change their mind. If they've lost, they, they're worried about what the customer may say about that. Um, so, you know, that is something that, that definitely has taken time to build trust, to make sure the sales team understands the purpose of these interviews, to make sure they understand that they're going to be the first ones to hear the feedback, you know, that comes from the customer, to make sure they understand that we're going to take care of them really through the process. And I have to tell you, can I just speak about one quick win on this? Because last week was amazing. We actually had a, um, you know, a salesperson that we, it was actually a sales director that just joined the team. I had to bring him up to speed quick, quickly within a couple of weeks, got him on one of these debrief calls. And the amazing thing was that this was his first debrief. And he was like, at the end, he was like, this has been amazing. And before this, I got a call from the customer thanking me for taking the time to listen and thanking me that for, you know, the fact that Locus really cares about their experience. And it was, it was incredible because that kind of closed the deal in terms of having that sales, you know, director on board, that this is a good thing for the customer as well. Um, so, you know, again, like just how do we sell to the salespeople, right? How do we sell to them that this is a good idea? That's critical. And I will say that, you know, for us, we, we had a very manual process initially at Locus and it was working well. And then we decided to automate and that did not work for us. Um, honestly, it kind of became this thing that maybe I'll do if I want to, um, you know, and it was really easy to click that button to say, yeah, don't, don't send the request. <laughs> um, and so we just went back to saying, no, let's just do this manually, you know, make sure that again, the, the sales team feels like there's this warm handoff, you know, that we're not dropping the ball or sending some random email to someone. Um, and I will tell you that in the last week we submitted like 13 candidates or something, um, you know, to like, with, I think it was like within 24 hours, as soon as we switched back to this, uh, to this manual process again, because it just builds more trust with the team and it helps us make sure that we're really taking care of each individual customer in a specific way. Like, for example, we're going global now and we do have to do interviews in other languages, and, you know, making sure that we know what language to approach the customer in has also been, you know, something that we have to be careful about. Okay. So you just mentioned something else just now, um, the, glo the global uh, research level. That, that is a complex animal by itself. I mean, um, uh, how, how do you address that? How do you address the various cultures, the, the various ways of looking at giving feedback or receiving feedback? How do you deal with yeah. that in a global uh, situation? Yeah, so I will tell you that having a vendor like, like primary intelligence is critical for me because of the scalability, right? There's no way that me and my team could do all the interviews that we want to do. And especially with all the different time zones, the languages, all these different things. So um, I will say that having, you know, you guys help me with that has been critical um, and being able to translate because at the end of the day, you know, the more global we become, the more we want to understand different perspectives, right? And buyers in the in North America do not behave the same as in Europe. Not the same uh, thing. Yes. Not the same at all. They make decisions different ways. Things matter to them in different ways. You know, the buying criteria may be different. The competition is different. And so we really are trying to take this approach where we really want to 
region, you know, we, we focus on the region and really understand the nuances. So, because at the end of the day, you're selling to a person, right? You're selling to someone who has a culture, who has, you know, a way of thinking. And, you know, we're very fortunate to have people locally for doing the marketing sales, you know, implementations. Um, and what we also want to, you know, give insights to them that are relevant, right? If we're just giving them insights on what's happening in North America, not always is that going to be helpful for them uh, to help us build our business in Europe, for example. Okay. So one of the key words, my antenna always go up when I hear the word trust. Trust mm -hmm. is, um, it is a root or a foundational or a necessary um, environment to have in order to win at your business. Full stop. I believe this inside of me. Um, how does win loss either help or hurt that trust? And I'm, and I do mean help or hurt because I could potentially see either, either way happening. You know, what's your experience with win loss and uh, analysis, the mm -hmm. feedback that you get from the, the, the buyer and how that either helps build trust or helps erode trust. Uh, can I ask, do you mean externally or internally? Internally. Or both? Internally. internally. Let's start. Yeah. Into, well, I would actually, that's a great point. Let's hear both. I would love to hear both. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say internally, um, you know, again, like when we get a call like this rep got where they were thanking him for caring, you know, enough about their opinion to go through this process, you know, and be able to provide feedback. I think those, those kinds of things really build trust, right? Um, the buyer feels listened to, they feel like we're caring, you know, we, we want to make sure that we're doing the best thing, that we're open to, to what they have to say about what we need to do better. Uh, so I, I think that's critical um, in terms of building that relationship with the buyer. Um, and I think also, you know, what, what you want to make sure too is that that you're following up on that, right? If if you if there's feedback that the customer says, you know, I'm I'm not sure about this, or I have questions about that, or you know, I don't know if you approach this the best way, that we're really following up and kind of owning it. And making sure that either we're clarifying or we're working with the buyer to make sure that uh, we're kind of closing that loop, right? Otherwise, the trust that you may have built in that process, you lose immediately, right? Because there's no follow-up, no action on it. Um, so we make sure that we follow up on things. You know, when we go through that debrief, like we make sure that we take notes of anything that anyone that needs to be communicated, note, you know, um, needs to address something, and then we communicate internally. Uh, so I think that's critical. I think internally, you know, again, like just kind of how that feedback is handled uh, is also being watched, right? Um, again, like uh, everyone is trusting, you know, the, the salesperson is trusting us with their customer, their newly closed deal that they don't want to lose. And, you know, we want to make sure that we're taking care of that and they understand they have visibility into the process. Um, and then, you know, we've also learned that there's certain feedback that maybe someone in the organization needs to see before we get the okay to share with the rest of the organization. Uh, you know, there's, there's information that sometimes is sensitive um, and, you know, handling that the right way with the right stakeholders and the right people so that it's addressed appropriately uh, is important. So you just touched a, a you just touched on a subject that's really important to me these days, and I'm seeing this in the market more and more, both from uh, an employee perspective, employees are looking for this, and also employers, and that is this idea, this, this sense of taking care of one another. Mm -hmm. There's just not enough of that. There's really not enough of that in the world. And um, in a previous episode, we had another customer talk about the dangers of weaponizing win-loss mm. analysis. Like, do not do that. How damaging that can mm. be. And yeah. at the end of the day, 
win loss, from my perspective, the organizations that I've seen that, that really drive trust, that, that create uplift are the ones that, that do it with the intention of taking care, mm-hmm. right? Taking care of one another, taking care of the salesperson, taking care of product, taking care of marketing and messaging, product down the, down the list. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you ensure, how do you ensure that you can, that you communicate the intention of mm-hmm. that win loss, that taking care of the people internally that, that they're talk that they're, you know, they're receiving feedback about. How do you, how do you do that? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's a lot of, um, to visibility, you know, first of all, like I said, I think just giving people visibility into what the process looks like, how we're going to collect this information, how we share it, you know, um, I actually have a call with every new salesperson that joins the company where we walk them through you know, the different things that product marketing does and win loss is one of them because we want them to buy in from the very beginning and see what the data, where the data is going to be reflected before they send their customer through, you know, so that is important. Um, and um, I forgot your question. That's okay. <laughs> no, what I was asking is, is specifically about how do you oh, ensure that care. you communicate that you're taking, this is not designed to be a weapon to be a yeah. stick to beat somebody with, but it's designed to actually help take care of you know, everybody in the organization. Okay. So another aspect is, uh, you know, I'm a product marketer, so we're good at positioning and messaging things. And I think just the way you position and message, you know, the program, uh, also the way you position and message the feedback matters, right? Um, We're very thoughtful about how we curate that information and how we present it back to the organization. Um, We try not to present problems, but maybe say, you know, Here's some feedback, here's some potential solutions, here's some ideas, um, you know, so really uh, how, how you, you communicate matters uh, all throughout, you know, from the introduction of the program all the way through the execution to, you know, then being able to share that information back into the organization. Okay. So one thing that we do at Primary Intelligence is we gather, I mean, really a, a ton of information. Specifically, um, we, we do survey and then we do in, in live in-depth interviews, right? And then the survey, we typically measure four categorical areas versus the top competitor. You've got, mm-hmm. how did we do against uh, the competition in price, sales motion, product or solution, and um, the company perspective. Mm-hmm. And then we go deeper in the, in the in-depth interview. We gather a lot of information. Yeah. You have disparate organizations that have, like you said, at the very beginning that have their own agendas, heaven for now that's crazy talk, but you know, it's true. Everybody has their own agenda, right? Sales has an agenda, marketing has an agenda, so on and so forth. How do you share the different insights? How do you determine what insights are either relevant or apropos or um, impactful for the different departments? Yeah. So I mean, I think it's really about empowering the organization. And I know that that word is overused, but, you know, what can we provide back to the organization that is going to help us make a decision, um, validate a decision, um, help us improve it, you know, improve on, or I should say, uh, maybe operationalize the best practice. Um, You know, so it really is always about how this is going to help us, right? Um, And so we're, we're always looking at, you know, what, what are the things that we're doing well that we can do better? And what are the things that, again, we can more broadly do? Or what are the things that we need to improve, right? And always looking at it from the lens of, this is constructive feedback for us to take and 
and turn around and do better. And I think, I do think that for a win-loss analysis program to be successful, you need an organization that has that attitude of continuous, pro, you know, improvement, continuous mm-hmm. improvement and, and doing better, right? You need to care about the customer. <laughs> you need to want to do better. Otherwise, it falls flat because there's there's nothing for that data, you know, to do. But I can tell you that at Locus, we're very committed to success, like the customer success. And so for us, it's gold, right? It's everything that we hear from the customer that we can go act on, again, to do more of or to improve in any way, um, then we, we want everyone to know about that. So I would say I always have that lens of, you know, where are some areas where we can, we can do better? And then um, the other thing is I'm always kind of listening to what the teams are concerned about. You know, what is keeping them up at night? What, you know, what is that agenda, but also why is that agenda what it is, right? Like what are they trying to That is a great, I love that question. Why the agenda? Yes, Sophie, so good. Because they have goals that they have to meet, right? They've committed to something that they want to do. And so, you know, always listening to what is what are people concerned about and then being able to bring any insights that we find that can help them clarify or or keep moving in a direction or you know uh maybe tweak uh is always helpful okay we're uh rounding third here we're almost done with our conversation you have been unreal just just beautifully shared and articulated best practices ideas watch outs uh, you know what's good what's bad all of that stuff it's fantastic you know how from your your, your experience two last questions first in your experience, how has win-loss created alignment for you in your organization? Yeah, so one of the things that I've been driving uh, at Locare since I started was making sure that we ha- we're clear on what our position is in the market and how we differentiate. Um, and, you know, sometimes people feel like that's marketing speak, but it's not. You know, the way you position and the way you message, like it has to align with what we deliver. Um, and so we've gone through a lot of, you know, positioning exercises that are really cross-functional. You know, I like making sure that all the right stakeholders are involved in pretty much anything that we do. Um, but then, you know, I think win-loss has helped us validate a lot of those things and, and then understand, like, I, I feel like at a more real level, why this matters to the customer. You know, so again, it's not just words on a pretty marketing slide. It's actually something that we live and breathe, right? Like I was saying that example where, you know, the reason we want to drive this quick timeline, right, in terms of implementation is because it impacts the customer ROI. And that's one of the main reasons they choose us because that's one of the things that matter to them, right? And so it's not, again, it's not just an idea. It's something that we need to live as an organization. And when the entire organization, over and over and over, here's these customer stories that tell us why those things matter. Everyone wants to go deliver on them. And I think that's just alignment that honestly, it's kind of runs in the background, but it, it makes us all realize that these are the things that we can never miss. These are the things we need to deliver on. Okay, that was awesome. Um, so last question for you, my friend. If you could leave our listeners with one final thought, you know, any piece of advice, let's say you're sitting down over a nice, you know, soccer game between Brazil and Argentina, and you're just, you're enjoying some dinner, maybe a, a glass of vino, I don't know, just enjoying your time. What advice would you give to somebody about win loss analysis and alignment? You know, what, what would you tell them? Yeah, so I would say, um, especially for product marketers out there, uh, own being the voice of the customer. 
Um, you know, and, and I think there's many ways to get there, but if you want to be the voice of the customer, you actually have to bring the voice of the customer to people. You can't just take that information and, and you know, keep it to yourself. That's when, when you asked me that question of why would you not share or uh, I, it just, I can't even imagine, right? Because to me, it's, it's, one of the, um, it's one of the most incredible resources in terms of driving enlightenment, again, like backing up everything that we do, you know, tying it back to why it matters to our customer. And at the end of the day, we're trying, we're, we're really aiming to be a customer-centric organization. We are one, but to continue to be one, especially as we grow, we have to be committed to listening and we have to be aligned with that voice of the customer. Mm. Sophie, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. We, we loved having you on the show and moreover, we've loved having you as a client for all these years. You really are a champion of win-loss analysis. You're, you're crazy professional and we love seeing the impact that win-loss analysis has had at each of the companies that you've implemented it at. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Ryan. It's been so fun to talk about this. I'm truly passionate about it. So it's been super fun. I, I can feel it, sister. I can hear it. For more on Primary Intelligence and Locust Robotics, check out the show notes at primary-intel.com forward slash podcast. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. We'll see you next time.